Support for Criminal comes from BetterHelp Online Therapy. If I had an extra hour each day, I might spend it just being still and reading. No phone anywhere in sight. Figuring out what feels good isn't always easy. Therapy can help you suss out what is most important and make the time for it. And BetterHelp can make that entire process convenient and painless. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash criminal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash criminal. Joy is the first glimpse of blue sky peeking through the overcast of a late winter day. Joy is the first brave tulip of the season, the first harvest of fresh blueberries, all the little pops of color to remind you that spring is on its way. New Yorkers know this better than anyone. It's time to bring the spring back into your wardrobe. And nothing says New York spring like Kate Spade, New York. Their new spring collection is perfect for all your adventures, day or night. Discover and shop the spring collection at Kate Spade, New York. On August 14th, 2021, Patricia Whalen sat down for a Zoom call with her friend Anissa Rizzuli. And as soon as I turned the camera on and I saw her face, I knew something was wrong. Patricia Whalen was a judge in Vermont for almost 20 years. She also served as an international judge on the War Crimes Tribunal in Sarajevo. Her friend, Anissa Razuli, is also a judge. She's been called the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of Afghanistan, and she was the first woman to be nominated to the Afghan Supreme Council. And she just said to me, Patty, the Taliban are here. They're here. They're here in the city. And it's over. And at that time, all the news reports, if you remember, were all saying, oh, you know, there was time yet, nothing, you know, the Taliban would be held off for six months or, you know, it just wasn't, the immediacy wasn't there. And, you know, I said that to her. I said, I just listened to the news and they were saying that there's still months, we have months to get ready for this. And she said, no. We don't. They're here. You must listen to me. I, I, I was in shock, in a deep shock. This is Judge Basira Kazizada. Last summer she was in her office in Kabul when a guard came and told her to get out, that the Taliban was everywhere. I didn't know what should I do because everything happened suddenly. And... One of my colleagues who was uh, working as a clerk, he said, oh, I have a car and I could help you to go to home. So we decided to leave our office and go home. She lived with her brother and his wife, and she remembers that she and her colleague both cried when he dropped her off. We understand that was the last day of our work and jobs. After that moment, we will not see each other. And we thought maybe Taliban will come and kill us. There was a threat coming from the Taliban, of course. 
and they were searching for them. They knew this right away. One judge said that members of the Taliban showed up at her door. She was able to escape. They trashed the house. They destroyed it. You know, they knocked through walls. Uh, They couldn't find her, but they found her dog, and they shot her dog. Um, You know, that was day one. But the other threat was the Taliban released prisoners from the prisons. They opened up the gates to the prisons. When the Taliban entered Kabul, they freed all the prisoners in the main Kabul prison, Policharchi. This is journalist Arhuna Kargar. She was born in Kabul, but today she lives in London, where she reports for the BBC, focusing on Afghanistan. She says that as soon as the prison in Kabul was opened, women judges began receiving telephone calls from men they had sentenced. And they were now free, and no, there was no control, no watch on them. They were seeking revenge. Revenge on the judges. On the judges. I mean, this was particularly true, ironically, uh, for family court judges. Judge Whalen remembers that on the second day of the takeover, she heard from a judge who had presided over a case where a member of the Taliban had killed his wife. And she was doing the custody portion of that case, and she awarded the custody of his children uh, to the mother's family. He now wanted those children. And the mother's family had moved and had done a very good job of somewhat covering their tracks, and he couldn't find them. And he made this assumption that the judge would know where the children were. So he came after her, and he threatened to kill her children if she didn't tell him where the children were located. That kind of threat we saw that day and every day after. And that's still going on in Afghanistan. They're terrified. I mean, they've moved. Uh, When the Taliban took over the Supreme Court, they had access to all of the women's personnel files. uh, So they knew where they lived and they knew who was in their family. All of women just are very worried. And I thought I want to change my house and go to the, some of relatives' house. But I, when I talk with my relatives, that I saw that they are very afraid. And on that day, nobody wants to be in danger because of me. So none of your relatives would take you in? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. And then... When I read the WhatsApp group, the all-woman judges said, please hide your documents. And I had lots of documents that shows that I was a judge. I started to, to burn some of them, but I saw there was a lot of books and documents. So I was not able to hide all of them. They were getting calls, threats, phone calls. Uh, houses being searched, so they were moving from one place to another place uh, in Kabul. Uh, and they, they were running for their life because they felt very scared of the people who were freed from prisons. Many judges reported that their bank accounts were frozen. One said she made it into the bank only to see a man she recognized from her courtroom eight months earlier, 
when he'd been on trial for murdering his wife. They just were running for their lives, and I remember speaking to them uh, on through WhatsApp. Journalist Zarhuna Kargar. Each one was so worried. We were we were so careful that I couldn't even mention their name in my telephone calls to them. Uh, yeah, the fear that I have heard in those voices was yeah just unforgettable. I can say. One judge said that her father called her and told her not to come home. He was worried that the sight of a woman driving a car might make the Taliban angry, and that if they pulled her over, they might search her car and discover that she was a judge. A senior judge in Afghanistan's Supreme Court described cutting open the lining of one of her dresses to hide her law degree inside. Within 24 hours, they lost everything. And we're not just talking about their homes or possessions or cars or physical possessions that they had. Uh, They lost their own personal identity and their history and everything they worked about. They lost their ability to speak. Judge Whalen is part of a network of nearly 7,000 women judges in more than 100 countries and territories around the world. It's called the International Association of Women Judges. So we just we just went to work. They created a 24-7 hotline run by seven of the judges, including Judge Whalen. They created a database where the Afghan judges could upload their visas and identification papers and any other personal documents or photographs they wanted to keep safe. And they began to call and email everyone they could think of. Government officials, members of Congress members of parliament, contacts in the State Department, the Foreign Office, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, people all over the world. And we we were so naive. I, I think our biggest assumption at the time was that, okay, governments would help here. But, you know, our governments were nowhere to be found. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. When the Taliban took control in August of 2021, there were reports that the country's borders were not passable because there were so many checkpoints. So the best way to evacuate was by air. But the airport was surrounded by a huge wall. Thousands and thousands of people were outside trying to get in. There are videos of the tarmac packed with people hoping to get on planes. In one video, you can see people trying to climb up the sides and hold on to a U.S. military airplane as it moves down the runway. There were reports of violence and chaos. The Taliban were beating people. Essentially, the message was, get into the airport any way you can, but there was no helping hand. Judge Whalen says that one country that began to help the judges was Poland. Poland helped Judge Basira Kazizada evacuate. She remembers she got a call from a woman she didn't know, who identified herself as Anna. And she said, do you want to leave your country? I said, yes, I want to leave because I'm in danger. She said, if you want to leave your country, just you have two hours, 
please be ready. And I said, I don't need two hours, just I'm ready to leave Afghanistan right now. The woman told her to go to the airport and that the Polish special forces would help her. Josh Kazizada says she tried, but there were so many people she couldn't get anywhere near the entry gates. She and her brother and sister-in-law tried to help a little boy who was so hurt he couldn't stand up. She says people were just walking on top of him. We just tried to find a little safe place for the boy, and there was a container, and we put the boys under the container and said, oh, please keep in here. It was very hard all the time when I remind that situation. My heart is broken. She remembers it was so loud, no one could hear anything, and people were shooting guns. It was overwhelming. She says she got sick. Then I sent a message for Mrs. Anna, that dear Mrs. Anna, thank you very much for helping, but there's a lot, there was a lot of huge people, and I couldn't take the gate, so... Uh, I canceled my decision. I don't want to leave Afghanistan. Uh, and she sent me a message. Oh, please be brave and strong. You can. Uh, this is your last chance. Judge Kazizada did eventually make it through the gates and onto a plane to Poland. Judge Whalen says that the younger judges had an easier time making it through than the older ones. If you were an older woman, it was impossible to get through that sort of human gauntlet of, you know, primarily young men, stronger, pushing. It, it was just a free-for-all. Many people were trying to get into the airport through the Abbey Gate entrance. To get there, people walked through a sewage canal. And while the water was only up to most adults' knees. If you were a child, you had to be carried. So if a woman had more than two children, for example, they couldn't make it through the sewer. And we're also talking about an incredible amount of time. It took more than 24 hours to make it through the sewer to a gate. That's 24 awake hours struggling you know, with this massive amount of frantic humanity. We'll be right back. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from NetSuite. I've never worked in media before, and it's really fun to see deals come through, especially when we signed with MKBHD and the Waveform podcast. That was one of my favorite shows on YouTube, and I love that we've partnered with him. I'm Christina Ho Rodriguez, and I am a senior manager of revenue accounting at Vox Media. At Vox, I'm not so siloed in my own revenue accounting department. I'm getting to see the big picture of, of what the company is working on. In my first year, the company went through a really big merger with another media company, and we switched from our old ERP system to NetSuite. We had to integrate NetSuite really fast. It was very user-friendly right out of the box. Over the last couple months, our team developed a new revenue reporting module that makes our reporting much faster, much more automated. 
I have a lot of hope with what we can do in the future with NetSuite so that we're able to optimize, make our team a lot more successful, and improve our processes. We're only as good as our best data, and NetSuite allows us to see it all. Discover the power of NetSuite, a leading cloud financial system serving more than 37,000 businesses. Download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com criminal. That's netsuite.com criminal to get your own KPI checklist. We're all feeling that late winter fatigue. But if you keep your eyes peeled, you might start to notice the signs of spring thaw, like a purple crocus poking through the melting snow, or a particularly bright afternoon sun shining through the New York skyline. Spring is coming, and nothing says New York spring like Kate Spade, New York. Add joy and color to your wardrobe with their new spring collection of jewelry and handbags. Discover and shop the spring collection at Kate Spade, New York. What happened to women judges in Afghanistan in August of 2021 had happened before, in the 90s. Journalist Zarhuna Kargar was born in Kabul in 1983. My family, um, uh, I come from an educated family. My father used to be a minister. This was a time during basically the communist regime, the Cold War time. The country had been invaded by the Soviet Union in 1979, and there were widespread protests. Uh, the, the communist regime collapsed, so the Mujahideen took over with the help of the U.S. and other countries, and civil war erupted. And uh, During that civil war, it was, life became very, very difficult, so I couldn't continue my education as a girl. Um, insecurities were just widespread. Uh, as a child, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew that life is dangerous uh, and it was difficult. There was no electricity anymore. There was no... So my life changed completely from uh, being a minister's daughter, going to the best school in Kabul, to not having electricity, not having... um, not being able to warm our house, heat our house in the winter because everything just went from us. The Taliban was formed in the midst of the civil war, claiming they would restore peace and security after so much fighting and implement their own interpretation of Islamic law, which banned women and girls from working and going to school. In 1996, they took control of Kabul and by 1998 were in control of 90% of Afghanistan. And we were seeing the Taliban coming and my mother and my father decided that we just we just can, can cannot continue in this situation because we are five sisters. We couldn't see any future anymore. And it was dangerous for him to live in Kabul. And we escaped to Pakistan, became refugees there. During this first Taliban takeover, women in Afghanistan were forced to stop working and were not permitted outside of their houses with their faces uncovered. Unmarried men and women couldn't be seen together. And women judges, like Judge Marzia Barbara-Cahale, were in danger. Tell me what happened in 1997. Uh, 1997, uh, when uh, the Taliban uh, came in my city, Polokhomri, uh, 
they came uh, looking for me and they came to uh, my house, my, my family house. When the Taliban took control of Afghanistan in the 90s, Judge Marzia Barbara Cahill was working as a family court judge. She'd set up a shelter for divorced women, helped women leaving abusive marriages, and taught women how to read. She says nine or ten Taliban fighters broke into her house with guns, looking for her. She says they destroyed the entire house. Her mother and brothers and sisters were inside, and Marzia was hiding. She hid for hours. Eventually, they left, and she went to check on her mother. She was um, she was very, very upset, and uh, her face very white and depressed. Um, and she, she just said, you know, you have to leave, you know, just leave uh, and go. And uh, we all decided the same, the same time to leave Polokhumri to flee to Pakistan. This was a shock for all of my family. Because your mother thought they'd come back, they wouldn't stop looking for you. Well, of course, because the Taliban told to my mother they will back and, uh, uh, you know... When we left Afghanistan, in, uh, the people live in Polakhomri, and uh, they know the Taliban took all our properties. The beautiful house my mother made, they took everything from our house. She continued to receive threats, even years later. After the Taliban lost power, she returned to Afghanistan, And then, one night, when she was on her way to visit her mother in the hospital, she was hit by a car. When I uh, opened my eyes, I just saw the doctors around me. That's all I remember. She says her legs and back were broken. And then, she says, she got a phone call. They said, how was our gift? How was our gift? Yes, and so you knew it was an assassination attempt because of that? Yes, of course. I said to my mother, please forgive me. And my mom said, I did nothing wrong. Just go and be safe. That's all I remember. Today, she lives in the UK. When I came in this country, I came with my with my suitcase in my diary and some of my, you know, my paperwork. That's all. How we lost everything, all our achievements, sacrifice, and everything uh, we did, work hard. Um, it is really difficult for me, for all of us, not just me. Was it different? Was there a big difference being a, a girl growing up in Afghanistan as a, opposed to a boy growing up? My family were uh, educated people who, you know, allowed not just me, all my sisters and brothers to have their rights and, and be happy. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, in, I was a bit uh, naughty at home and... Um, when I was start to like to running the bicycle, and I asked my dad, you know, the things his boys is doing, I should do. 
um, I think that all the uh, the opportunity gives by more than my mother, by my dad, to me. One day Marzia was out with her father and saw him speaking to a woman and being very respectful to her. And I asked, uh, who was the lady that? And he told me she's a judge. And I was no idea what is judge, what's meaning by judge. And uh, that was really is, uh, is, is my thing in my life changed that day. Tell me a little bit about that. What about this judge? I think uh, my, my dad was um, very uh, interested on her uh, character, but um, she had a very strong character. And during uh, the way we was back to home, and my dad told me about she was the first female judge in Polokhumri. Marcia decided that she wanted to be like this judge. In 1991, she began her career in Afghanistan's courts. You know, when the Taliban took over in the 90s, when they entered Kabul, they were in these trucks and that had loudspeakers on them, and they went through the streets, and they uh, told women they had to leave their jobs and they should go home. Judge Patricia Whalen. They could no longer be out in public. But they came after the judges. Those they specifically came for them. They came into the courthouse. They were the ones that the Taliban at that time perceived as a danger. And I've never forgotten that. Um, you know, these women for in Afghanistan themselves are part of really a more privileged class uh, of people just simply because they were educated. Um, and this was in the 90s. Um, you know, they were... Uh, highly educated. Uh, many of them had master's degrees. They were scholars in Islamic law. And after the Taliban took over the first time, they were all removed from the bench. The Taliban appointed their own judges. Many had no legal education or experience. Judge Whalen says some were illiterate. And after 2001, when women judges slowly began to return to the bench, they could find themselves working alongside a Taliban-appointed judge. It was common for three judges to preside as a panel over a court case. As opposed to one judge hearing the case. And the woman would be sitting there, the woman judge would be sitting there, who had been through law faculty, had uh, master's degrees in, in law in specific subjects, uh, and they would be rendered silent. Uh, by the two men sitting next to them. We'll be right back. Support for Criminal comes from Seed Health. Seed Health's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic gives your body what it needs when it needs it. Supporting your gut health can be a pretty great starting point for supporting your overall health. That means getting plenty of prebiotics and probiotics. A symbiotic like Seed is a combination of both. Seed helps you create a healthy microbial environment in your gut, 
And not only will your gut feel it, but the rest of your body too. It promotes clearer skin, good cardiovascular health, and helps you maintain healthy blood cholesterol levels. I've been taking two a day, and just last week, someone told me my skin looked really great. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash criminal and use code 25criminal to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash criminal with code 25criminal. After September 11, 2001, President George W. Bush announced that the United States military had launched attacks on Taliban targets in Afghanistan, pushing the Taliban out of power. During the United States' 20-year occupation of the country, the U.S. government and NATO tried to install a Western-style democracy. An enormous amount of money was put into the court systems by Western countries. And, of course, they also urged and advocated courts that were probably not organic to the Afghan legal system, uh, such as courts to eliminate violence against women, courts that oversaw terrorism cases, courts that were specifically focused on uh, drugs and narcotics. These were all new, and people would argue imposed on the legal system. Very few men wanted to be on those courts. I mean, they were staffed by women who were willing to take on these issues, which were, it was dangerous to be a judge in Afghanistan, uh, especially if you were a woman. So finally, women were coming into every aspect of life. It took Afghan women over 20 years to make this presence accepted in the society. In a male-dominated society, they, they made their presence accepted. Journalist Zarhuna Kargar. Even one of the women judges was telling me, like, at the beginning, when she started working as a judge, she said, like, if uh, the people came to her in courtrooms, she wouldn't get enough respect because they felt, people felt, normal, ordinary people of the society felt that, oh, a woman cannot make judgment or not a good judgment or not the same judgment as a man can make. But she said by working every day, by making judgments that we felt that we were giving justice to people, to the victims, uh, she said like day by day, the attitude was changing. Day by day, the presence of women were felt that this is exactly, it doesn't matter if you're a female judge or a male judge, it matter what matters is that you're able to serve justice. And she said people were finally seeing it. But it was still dangerous. Judge Basira Kazizada says she received threats all the time, sometimes by mail and sometimes in person. She says one day, after she made a decision, a man appeared outside of her office and said he was going to kill her. I said, I will cut your head, and I am a member of Taliban. I said, that was my decision. If you are not agree with that, you could appealing for that. But you don't have right to treat me. This is my office, and I am a judge, and that was our decision. And you, this is your right to appeal 
but you don't have right to treat me. So I went to the room courts and I shared this matter with the chief of the course and said, I'm not care about this man, but I know because I am a judge one day, they will kill me like they kill other women judges. But at least I want to save this record in the courts. If some days happen with me, at least my family knows what was the matter. I mean, they would go to court um, and never know if they would be, come home that night. And I saw that uh, even in 2007 at a relatively safe time to be in Afghanistan, uh, that that was true then. Um, two of our judges were assassinated. Uh, one of those judges was a friend of mine, Judge Sakia Harari, and she had come and stayed in Vermont and was part of a judicial education program that I was running at the time. And she was just a wonderful, uh, you know, sweet person. Uh, and on you know, her and another judge, uh, another woman judge, uh, were both uh, assassinated, you know, uh, on their way to work right outside their courthouse. I knew then that things had really changed. The Taliban was regaining its power. In February of 2020, the Trump administration signed an agreement with the Taliban. All U.S. forces would be out by May 1st, 2021. President Biden extended the deadline, agreeing to remove troops by the end of August. And on August 15th, the Taliban entered the capital, opened the prisons, and the women judges in the country knew they had to leave. So so seven of you are running a a 24-7-hour hotline. That's right. And and you've accomplished, you've you've gotten hundreds of women out at this point. Um, of the two hundred and seventy judges that were in Afghanistan, uh, two hundred and fifty of them asked to be evacuated. Of that two hundred and fifty, uh, we have gotten out one hundred and eighty-five women judges. But we also made a commitment to get their families out. I mean, I think as women, it just made no sense to us to have the what they call the principal, come out. Um, We assumed they would come out with their families. Um, And so we did that. And that's over a 1,000 people altogether so far. Um, We have 65 judges left in Afghanistan uh, and their families. And we, we will get them out. Judge Whalen says that since the Taliban takeover, judges have been evacuated to the United Arab Emirates, Pakistan, Greece, the UK, Poland, Korea, Romania, Germany, Ireland, Brazil, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Iceland, and the US. But she says it's a much smaller list of countries that are open to allowing the judges to stay long term. What are you hearing now? The situation is much worse. And some of that is just uh, the what's, 
you know, winter is coming. Uh, the economic crisis in Afghanistan is, uh, you know, beyond critical. Uh, people are struggling for food and basic necessities. Uh, the women who probably at one time had access to resources don't anymore. Um, and I would say everybody in Afghanistan is, is struggling. The judges, they fought for justice. Judge Marzia Barbara-Cahale. They fought for justice. They fought for humanity. They fought to bring a balance of law in the, in the, in the court. But suddenly, they became the more vulnerable people. What is this? In this world, I don't know where is the justice. You know, one of the things I'd want to say is that Germany has recently opened its doors, and the U.S. has also finally agreed for our judges, you know, that they have a path forward um, and hopefully can come into the U.S. But by and large, doors were shut completely to Afghans. And, you know, we're able to focus on these women because they're our colleagues. But standing behind them are the vast majority of women and children of Afghanistan uh, that have absolutely no future. I, I just don't know how we can not see that. And I'm afraid that it's fading from, you know, the minds of not just in the U.S., but in the world. Um, And I just hope we could do better. Two weeks ago, on December 24th, the Taliban government banned women from working for local or international humanitarian aid organizations in the country. According to one UN survey, many aid organizations, including Save the Children, have had to shut down their operations. A few days before that, the government banned women from attending college. They were already prohibited from attending middle and high school. Currently, the highest level of education available to Afghan girls is sixth grade. Judge Kazizada's sisters and nieces are still in Afghanistan. My sister said, she was very disappointed and said, I don't know this situation will continue for how long, but what should I do with my children? They need to be educated. And I said, It's very, for now, it's very important to be just alive. What do you think would happen if if you went back to Afghanistan now? It is clear if, if I want to go back to Afghanistan, it is clear that I cannot live in there. They didn't allow me. To 
Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Needy Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, Samantha Brown, Lily Clark, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Special thanks to Carol Jackson and Jeffrey Stern. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show and Instagram at Criminal underscore podcast. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Congrats! You've survived another New York winter. Add another stamp to your New Yorker achievement log. In just a few short weeks, the clouds will break, the snow will melt, and you can finally feel the sun on your face again. Bring the spring back into your wardrobe with Kate Spade New York. Their new spring collection of jewelry and handbags is brimming with decadent color and undeniable joy. Discover and shop the spring collection at Kate Spade New York.